0: wonderful meal and a wonderful time of fellowship. It was certainly a blessing to be able to enjoy that with you. Thank you to everyone who brought the food for us to enjoy. It certainly was a blessing. Got to try some of the old favorites as well as some of the new to us carrot cookies. Love the carrot cookies. Loved enjoying time together certainly is a blessing to be with you for revival. Looking forward to what is to come in the coming days. And it's just crazy to think about that this is the halfway message to the revival meeting. When you have a Sunday through Wednesday like this, only three more messages after this goes by so quickly. And we want to be able to sink in and just enjoy the ministry of the word of the Lord. Take God's word and begin with me in Proverbs 16, as we've been doing for each of the messages already. I remind you what we looked at in Sunday school was handle with care your mind or handle your mind with care. And then in the morning service, we talked about handling your ministry with care and how you look at the different scenarios and opportunities as ministry opportunities and therefore move as God would have you to move. I want you to notice again what it says in Proverbs 16 and verse number 20. The Bible says, he that handleth a matter wisely shall find good and whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. And we certainly say it again. We want those around us as well as in our own lives to experience good and happiness that is found in trusting the Lord and exercising wisdom. Now by design, this message moves through the scriptures a lot because I understand the afternoon services can be kind of sluggish, especially after a wonderful meal, and dependent on how much sugar you had. So we're going to move around from scripture to scripture and establish the points that we are looking at. So take God's word and go to Exodus chapter 13, as I give you the title of the message, Handle with Care Your Next Move, or Handle Your Next Move with Care. There have been many situations where somebody has come to my wife or my myself and asked, how did you know that God was moving you? Or how did you know that you were supposed to do this? And the overwhelming answer is, let God make himself clear. God is more than able to reveal himself and make himself clear in the direction that he would have you to go. And the interesting part about it is you can go to a pastor or a youth pastor and they can answer from a biblical perspective, but when it comes down to what God wants you to do, those of us who are not you don't exactly know what God is doing in your life at all Times. And so you're going to need to exercise discernment. You're going to need to exercise wisdom and ask God to make it really clear. I want you to see here in Exodus 13 verse 21 that God made himself very clear. It says in Exodus 13 verse 21 and 22, The Lord went before them, Israel, by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. And he took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. And this is a representation of God's faithfulness to guide you, not just in the daytime, but also in the nighttime. When you don't know exactly which way to go, God can make himself very clear. Now go to Exodus 14 and look with me at verse 19. Exodus 14 verse 19 and the angel of God which went before the camp of Israel removed and went behind them and the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them and it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel and it was a cloud and a darkness to them the Egyptians But it gave light by night to these, Israel, so that one came not near the other all the night. And what you have here is God's Protection through his guidance. So God is using a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. That's how he is clearly guiding his people at this time. But he's also using that guidance to protect his own people. And as he is protecting them, he is providing for them. Notice verse 21. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. And the children of israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left now get what happens after this this is really interesting the egyptians pursued went in after them into the midst of the sea which is the red sea even all pharaoh's horses his chariots his horsemen And it came to pass in the morning, watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. Israel couldn't fight for themselves at this moment, but God is using his very objects of guidance the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire, and he is also troubling Israel, or troubling Egypt through the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud, and God is showing himself victorious. Our whole point in looking at these passages is to establish that God is our great guide and where God guides, God protects. And we need to trust in his guidance where he leads us. Another passage we need to turn to is Nehemiah chapter 9. And it's really interesting that we are turning that far forward in the word of God. Because as we are turning to Nehemiah chapter 9, we notice that God God has his people doing a very big thing. They are coming back to their homeland and they are building the walls and building the gates. And eventually they're going to reestablish the temple and the city there in Jerusalem. And I think it's very interesting to note that in Nehemiah's day, they are retaining, they are remembering how God provided guidance and protection through a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. And it was encouraging to them. And if it was encouraging to Nehemiah's day. It ought to be encouraging to our day. That the Lord is clearly providing protection and guidance for his own. Notice what it says in Nehemiah 9 and verse 18. Yea, when they had made them a molten calf. Referring to Israel at Mount Sinai. And said, this is thy God that brought thee up out of Egypt. And it wrought great provocations, yet thou in thy manifold mercies forsookest them not in the wilderness. Pause right there. The pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire, to lead them by day and night. But what if we mess up? My dear friends, this is a testament to the fact that God was merciful to his own people. When his own people messed up, God did not leave them or forsake them. God continued to guide them. Notice what it says in verse 19. Yet thou and thy manifold mercies, praise the Lord for his manifold mercies, forsookest them not in the wilderness the pillar of the cloud departed not from them by day to lead them in the way neither the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way wherein they should go thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct them and withheldest not thy manna from their mouth and gavest them water for their thirst yea 40 years didst thou sustain them in the wilderness so that they lacked nothing their clothes were waxed not old, their feet swelled not. What a cool story this is. And you can think about it from this perspective. I don't know if God is leading me to do this because I don't know if I'm going to be provided for in this next step. Friends, don't base the next step, if it's clearly God's guidance, don't base it upon how much money you have in the bank. How much money is promised you? The comforts of what is to come? Because you see, God's people were stepping out to nothing. But they were stepping away from everything slavery. Everything captivity. And they were literally placing themselves under the shadow of the wings of the Almighty. And even when they messed up the manifold mercies of God were truer, and they saw the faithfulness of God's hand provide for them over and over again. Oh, you murmured against God's man. You murmured against God himself. I'm taking away the manna. No, God didn't do that. He continued to provide for them. He continued to guide for them, and that shows that his mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. We don't deserve God's kind compassion and guidance, but He continues to give it. So that bids me to ask a question. How does God guide? Go to Psalm 119 with me. And as I mentioned, we're going to flip through the pages of scripture. Much like we had a buffet together just a little while ago. We're going to have a buffet in the word of God. And as we look at those scriptures, it's all going to be based on how God guides and handling your next move with care. How do I handle my next move with care? In Psalm 119. Let me show you 105, 105, 105, a very familiar verse to many. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God guides us through his word, number one. Dear believer, you need the scriptures. We need the word of God. It is our lantern, it is our light, it is that which shines in the direction that we should go. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Recently, one of the main statistical groups for Christianity put out a percentage of Christians who read their Bible. And it was right around, and, and there was a statement of they read their Bible faithfully. And it was right around 53% of Christians state they read their Bible faithfully. But the statistic went further that you have to understand. The, the thing that confirmed faithfulness, was they had to read their Bible four times a year to be considered a faithful Bible reader. Now that opened my eyes for just a second, because if you're answering this question for a statistical group, do you read your Bible faithfully? And this is how we know, you read it at least four times a year. Wait a second. In my mind, that is not faithfully reading the word of God. So if we were to ask a question to get a more specific statistic do you read your Bible every day the percentages would go down a whole lot more than whatever it was around 50% of Christians that testified that and yet we have all of these questions how do I know what God wants me to do where does God want me to go how does God guide sometimes we forget the very basic way that God guides us is through the word of God it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path How many children have memorized that verse this year? Vacation Bible school, Sunday school, they can recite it for us. But more than reciting it for us is learning to live by that very principle. Thy word is a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. I hope that we learn the importance of utilizing God's word in our life because God guides us through his word. The second thing I would like to mention from the scriptures is God guides us through his Holy Spirit. Turn to John chapter 16 with me. And this is an important passage for the disciples in the New Testament. The disciples hear this horrible news to them from Jesus' mouth. Jesus says, I've got to leave you. I've got to go away from this earth. But I'm going to send you the comforter. And I'm not going to send the comforter until I go away. And so we read about it in John chapter 16. One thing that we note about the Holy Spirit is sometimes we like to exemplify the Holy Spirit for his work of conviction. The Holy Spirit brought conviction of sin. The Holy Spirit convicted me to do this. That is part of what the Spirit of God does. But that's not how he is introduced. He is introduced by his title, the Comforter that shall come. And how often do we let slip the fact that the Holy Spirit of God is a great Comforter. He is the best Comforter. He is the Comforter. Notice what it says in John chapter 16. And if you look at verse number seven, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, Jesus says, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin, because they believe not on me of righteousness, because I go to my father and ye see me no. More of judgment because the prince of this world is judge. Yet I have many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. The spirit of God is guider in truth. And I need to mention this because we live in a day where a whole bunch of new things are being stated in the name of the Spirit of God. But the Spirit of God is not coming to establish new things. The Spirit of God was come to establish the truth that already was, and he was going to speak of that truth, and that's how they would know that it was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks truth. The Holy Spirit comforts. The Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit is somebody that we need to guide us in truth. I could sit here and tell you stories that I have learned across the nation of people who have taken this Bible but yet narrowed into one phrase of one verse and established a philosophy to live by that was anti-Christ and anti-God though they got the phraseology from the scriptures my dear friend the Holy Spirit will stand up in your life and put some warning signs as you are a Bible student saying something about that isn't right they are moving Moving against the Scriptures in its entirety, Holy Spirit, guide me in this truth as I am guided by Your Word. Again, Paul said to young Timothy, "All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, fully furnished unto all good works." The Word of God is needful in our lives. But you must understand that it can be misstated, it can be misconstructed, it can be be construed, it can be messed up. But that's why we go to the Spirit for guidance and get into the Word. Hey, aren't you glad that this isn't chained to the pulpits of America? Like we read about in history, we read that in England, that's what it came to, where in some of the churches, the Bible has changed the pulpit because the only one that could look upon its scriptures was the one delivering those words to his church congregation. Aren't you glad you can open up the scriptures and see what it has to say? That way you know if an Apollos, like we talked about earlier, is standing before you. Somebody who may have fire, somebody who may have energy, but maybe doesn't understand everything to it and is missing a big chunk of it. We got the scriptures. We know Jesus has come and we praise the Lord for his words. But this is a lot of book to take in, isn't it? And by the way, it's the living word of God. And that's why you and I have to be very careful as we handle the scriptures. Because a preacher can say, take God's word and turn to this passage. And we can automatically shut our minds off to the message. Because we say, I know what that passage teaches. And at that very moment, we are limiting that passage of the Bible to our human knowledge. When God says, I've got something for you from there. You ought to get excited if you know the passage we're turning to. Because God, by his spirit, through his living word, is wanting to guide you today. He's wanting to instruct you today. And we need to learn to handle with care our next move. God guides through his word. God guides through his Holy Spirit. And then turn to Psalm 32 with me and see our third point. God guides with his eye. I'm going to read the verse and give a very simple illustration after this. But in Psalm 32, I'd like you to highlight in your mind verse number 8. In Psalm 32 in verse number 8, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. And as we consider that verse, it is... Heavy. It is saturated with that promise. He will instruct us. I just don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. I will instruct you. I will teach you. I will guide you with my eye. What does that mean? Husbands, have you ever been in that situation where something was said or maybe nothing was said? But you got to look across the room from your spouse. And by her look, you were guided with her eye. You knew exactly what she was thinking, and she didn't have to say anything. In fact, you understood already probably what she was thinking before you said what you said. And so you've gotten really good at saying what you're saying and then not even looking at her face. Because you know how she is going to respond to it. And you see, that's the thing with human life. Especially those of us who know what God thinks about something already. And yet I'm trying to make a move in the opposite direction. If I don't look at the features of God. If I don't look at those things that give me understanding in my way. I'm not going to have to face it right away. Therefore, I can do what I want to and get away with what I want to. And then on top of it, we're lying to ourselves thinking that we can get away with something that we are doing. For instance, along those lines, go to Luke 22 to get a real life Peter example. I love Peter because Peter reminds me of myself in so many ways. And as I study the discipleship and life of Peter, I find him very brave. I find him very strong. I find him standing at Jesus' words and saying, Jesus, I will never deny you. Jesus, I will face death if others are trying to kill you. Jesus, I will protect you. Jesus, I will guard you. What does Jesus tell Peter, Peter? Before the cock crows, You're going to deny me, Christ. Notice what it says in Luke 22. Look at Luke 22, verse 61. How about verse 60? Peter said in verse 60 of Luke 22, "Man, I know not what thou sayest." And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew, and the Lord turned and notice this phrase: He looked upon Peter and Peter remembered the word of the Lord how he said unto him before the cock crow that shalt deny me thrice and Peter went out and wept bitterly could you imagine eye to eye meeting Jesus Christ in that moment of denial Lord I'll never deny you I'll stand with you and Jesus knows everything about you and says you are going to deny me three times and then that moment happens warming your hands by the fire man I know not him. I know not Jesus. I don't run with him. My speech doesn't betray me. I am not of Christ. The cock crows. The Lord turns. His eyes meet yours. And the only thing Peter could do was run out and weep. I don't know about you, but I have been glad for those times in my life where the spiritual eyes of god's word have met mine and it brought me to the end of myself knowing exactly what i have done and where i have gone aren't you glad in the story concerning peter that the Lord and that sensitivity and tenderness struck Peter in such a way that Peter did not deny Christ forever. But yet we see this great turnaround in Peter's life. And Peter is used to reach thousands of people along with the other disciples and minister into the church. God being a God of second chances, even though he denied, yet God still used him. What a powerful truth. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 1 that the eyes of the Lord as John was talking about that trumpet he heard behind him and John turns to see one like the son of man, his eyes are as a flame of fire. Peter knew what that was like in the physical fashion of Jesus as a man. Could you imagine Jesus in his transfigured state? Could you imagine the holiness of God burning through with just a look? God guiding with His eyes. God guides not just through His Word and through His Holy Spirit and with His eyes, but God guides us through faithful counsel. I'd like you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4 real quick like as we turn through the scriptures again. I want to read you a proverb, a wisdom principle, a wisdom statement in Proverbs eleven fourteen, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And as we turn to Ephesians chapter 4, we are reminded that we ought to be thankful for those in ministry that God has given to us. For it says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 11 that he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? Verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up, In him all things which is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. In one portion of this passage, we gather this understanding. As we appreciate those who minister to us, and as we are edified with a love for the word of God, there is a strengthening of the brethren. There is a strengthening of the body of Christ. There is a recouping and a regathering and an instruction that brings us unto a perfectness, a completion for the glory of God being guided by faithful counsel. As it was stated earlier, and it is so true, you ought to be very thankful for a church that says, okay, if there's one thing we're going to do in this place, we're going to take the Bible, all 66 books of it, 39 books of the Old Testament, 27 in the New, 1,189 chapters of God's Holy Word, and we're simply going to say... We could never in our lifetime preach every chapter, every verse, every line. But we're going to do our best to preach God's word. I've got no business making up my own. I have God's word to preach. And so as I'm teaching and preaching, I simply want to take the people to God's word. Praise the Lord for a church that does that. There's so many out there that want to tickle the ears because the tickling of the ears is what brings crowds. But what they've done in the tickling of the years is they've dropped the doctrine and the truths of God's word. And therefore, there's a weak, malnutritioned body that needs to be strengthened by one thing and one thing alone, the faithful counsel of God's word. I want to end with taking you to Psalm 48, and this is where we'll finish. Psalm 48, the last thing I want to mention that God guides by. My timer just went off. Had you in mind, I know we've just eaten so much and been filled so well. but We're feasting on God's food spiritually. Number one, God guides through his word. Number two, God guides through his Holy Spirit. Number three, God guides with his eye. Number four, God guides us through faithful counsel. And number five, handle with care. Handle your next move with care. God guides us even unto death. Notice what it says in Psalm 48. Look at verse number 14. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our what church? Guide. Even unto what? Isn't that encouraging to know? That God wants to be the same God he's always been, not just in your youth, but also all of your days. And even until you take your last breath, God wants to be the one that guides you in your next step. This past year, my grandma, well into her 80s, had Justin, Justin, I, I need you to pray with me. I'm really praying for God to guide me. That's so wonderful to hear of somebody of her age. I haven't got this thing figured out, Justin. I need God to show me my next step. We're all going to be there no matter how elderly we become. We are all going to need God's guidance unto death. Grandma was kind of, well, what do I do? Grandpa built this house in 1992. I always said that if I could never mow the yard by myself, I'd move out of this place. And Grandma push mowed her own yard until she moved. She kept thinking, I just, I, I, I take all day to vacuum this big house and I, I push mow the yard and it just, it's a struggle. Uh, Justin, your brother comes and he mows the backyard with his riding lawnmower, but still the front yard. has got some uphill, but I'm giving it my best. Justin, I'm just asking God for what he wants me to do. I wish I would have had the money to buy grandpa's house, but I didn't. Justin, I need God to guide me during that phase. And this is grandma. I walked in through Grandma's garage into her kitchen. And as I opened the kitchen door, I couldn't open it all the way because it slammed into the refrigerator. The refrigerator's pushed out, Grandma's on the floor. What do you think when you show up at Grandma's house and Grandma's on the floor? This isn't good. Grandma pops up. Eighty-some years old oh hey Justin one of your distant cousins says it was always good every once in a while pull the refrigerator out and clean under it and clean behind it and things like that so that's all I'm doing that's grandma but then this past year as God gave grandma guidance grandma moved into an independence living and as we're moving grandma's stuff in and she's downsized quite a bit an elderly lady in that independence living comes up to me and she says who are you moving in I said, I'm moving grandma in. Is she married? Oh, grandpa passed away a few years ago. Oh. Does your grandma like to play games? Oh, grandma loves to play games. Good. We've been looking for another person in here to play games with. Grandma has had a full schedule. I mean, if she had a calendar that she kept and had it filled in with dates and times, She's going to be at her meals because she's paying for them. But then she's got her game times throughout the day. Grandma is busy. But Justin, I need to know what God wants me to do next. Something that we need to remember is no matter how old we get, we're always going to need God to us. Aren't you glad he never leaves us nor forsakes us? Even when we have that tendency and we do, we come back to him. Lord, I am sorry. Thank you for your manifold mercies. Lord, I want you to lead me and show me the way. When you begin praying for God to make it very clear, guess what he's good at answering? Those prayers. He will show you the way. Again, Psalm 48 verse 14. This God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. Guess what? God is the best guide that you could ever have in life. Let's pray. Pray together, Our Lord, heavenly Father.